church. It's good to be with you, and it's good to take a break, isn't it? Um, to be together and to be able to think about God's Word and to worship together and to kind of Sabbath, to take a step back and take a breath. Um, I know some of you are thinking, uh, wow, this is great. I'm here at church. I'm a little tired, you know, and maybe if I just take a half an hour little nap while Ron's speaking, and that'll be my Sabbath. And um, you know what? I'm not going to judge. If you do that, that's okay, Don. You know what I'm saying? But um, <clears throat> just make sure that you're awake at the end because we have baptisms coming, and you don't want to miss those. So we get to get together in God's Word. We're going to be talking about Sabbath. We're continuing a series. If you've missed the last couple of weeks, welcome here. It's okay. You can catch them online. I'm going to catch up to speed a little bit with stuff. We're going to open our Bibles up to a psalm that has some really great principles about how we Sabbath, how we lean into the rest of God and trust Him. Psalm 16. So if you turn your Bible open to Psalm 16, and I was just trying to think of the, what is the page number? If you brought your Bibles um, there, I think it's on page 450-something, 453. So if you didn't bring a Bible and you've got uh, the ones that are in the pews page 453. And you'll be pleased to know that this psalm does not give you a list of all the stuff you're going to have to do. Because we are already overtaxed and overburdened and overhassled with stuff. And that's not what this series is about, and it's not what this psalm is about. Um, It's not about a list like we've been talking about of things we want to pile on to you, a, a, a bunch of burden spiritual things, another exercise you have to do. Sabbath actually was carved for you to step back and take a breath and relax and be refreshed in your life and in your relationship with God. It's a time for you to to take time where you can just draw near to God and enjoy Him, to participate in the relationship that He's called you to, to actually to know God and uh, delight with your time in him. And, and sometimes in my conversations with people, they don't experience that at all. They don't see the relationship with God as something actually to enjoy, but it's another burden for them. It's another, i got to live up to other people's expectations and do what they want me to do. That's not what Sabbath is about. Sabbath is about this way that God has wired you to be able to step back from all the other things that you're involved with and to draw near to God, enjoy your relationship with Him, marvel that He is such a great God and has called you into relationship with Himself, and to walk away from that time with Him refreshed, thinking, wow, that was great. I, I want more of it. I'd, I'd like to have more of that time with Him. So Psalm 16 has some really great perspective, like a lot of Scripture has really great perspective. And it helps us understand that we live... Although we live under this weight, some of it's real and some of it's imagined, that can be debilitating. If we get our pacing right, we can find health. Now, you know this, right? We live in this age where we've got all these people with anxiety disorders and with issues learning disorders and all these other things that are going on. And typically, the first thing we turn to is, hey, let's medicate that. 
Amazingly enough, Scripture has something to say that's even better than that. It is, why don't you try first? Now, that's not to belittle the, the role of medication, but simply to say that Scripture has like a first answer for us, and that is step back and Sabbath. Take a, take a moment to rest and find your refreshment in the Lord first. So we're going to turn our attention to this psalm that's got really, um, it, we're going to step into this honest conversation the psalmist David is writing out these words to the Lord, but he's got some really powerful principles underneath it. And it begins this way, verses 1 and 2. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. That is, I'm going to make this verbal statement to God most high. You're my master. You're you're the one that's in charge. I'm not the one in charge. I want to make that statement to you again this morning. And I have no good apart from you, the psalmist says, which was just such a great beginning. It's like rest 101 right here, the very beginning. Now, over the years, I've made this discovery about my own issues with Sabbath. I've got a bunch of them. Of my own issues with Sabbath. And it starts here, I, I don't trust very well. Not automatically. That doesn't come to me automatically. So, um, like, I don't trust other people very well. I'll think that I have to do a lot more in my life and carry a lot more burdens than I really should ever think about doing. Did you know this? Scripture is very clear about this that all of us have important roles to play in the family of God. Every person that came in, maybe this is your very first time here at Bridges, you have a very important role to play here in the church family. And God has wired all of us with different gifts and different strengths. And yet, in my own arrogance, and my own foolishness, at times I'll try to do a bunch of other things that I was never called to do in, in the body. That's somebody else's. And somebody else is a lot better at than I am. So why do I jump in and try to think I should do 15 different things, right? That's, that's my issue. It's my trust issue, and I, sh- I should understand that fundamental to church, to doing church together, is that we're here to equip the saints to the work of the ministry, that we do this in partnership together, and everybody has this really important role to play. But I've got trust issues at times, and I just confess that before you. I, I do stupid things, like try to carry burdens, and so I'm not resting like, I'm always thinking about what should be done, done next in church. Well, you know what? Somebody else is way better at that, and I just rest in their gifting. But that's not my worst trust issues. My worst trust issue is with the Lord. Like, I'll say that again. I don't like to say it, but I feel like I need to say it this morning. My, my worst trust issues are with the Lord, that I don't fully trust in Him for all the things that He wants to do you know what, this is his church. It's not my church, right? Praise God for that. And he is the Lord, the master of it all. And really, rest begins with trust. Rest begins with trust. And I have to learn these lessons that are proclaimed at the very beginning of Psalm 16. The first lesson is this, where he says, preserve me, Lord. Lord, you're the giver of life and you're the sustainer of life. And every breath I take, that's from you. Where did I get off thinking that I'm 
like the master of my own life or like I'm in charge or I can do anything about that. He says this great trust statement really beginning, Lord, you preserve me. You give me life. You're the sustainer of my life. And then he calls the Lord a refuge. He's saying, Lord, you're the protector of me. And so my issues really get at this, that sometimes I don't rest in the full security of knowing that God is going to care for me. And so I've got to think about my own, like, um, my future. And I've got to think about how I'm putting enough away, you know, for my financial security. Or I've got to think about my own accomplishments or the things I want to achieve. And none of those things really are biblical. When I step back and say, you know what? It's my security is found in the Lord, not in my own capacity. And when I think about that, when you think about that, that's really good news, right? Because you should, for those of you who have some maturity under your belt, you should know this, that if it rested on your capacity, you're in trouble. But if it rests on the capacity of God, then you're secure in him. He's a refuge. You're not. That's really great news for us. And then he says, verse 2, I say to the Lord, that is the Lord God, Yahweh, you are my master. You are the the one in charge of all of it, my, my Lord. And I have no good, nothing good apart from you. And when my trust takes root in those statements, I'm so much healthier. It, it brings refreshment to me. But my rest, it begins with trust. And if I can't trust, then I start chasing after all the wrong things. And I struggle. My stress level goes up and I'm disquieted, right? I'm not resting. So um, a couple of years ago, I, was, I chose to run in this race. Some of you know I like to run on trails. And I was running in this nine-mile race up in the woods. And uh, it was the first time these organizers had done this race. And so I was excited about it, you know. I get out there and we're out in the trails, we're out in the wilderness, and um, I'm cruising along, and I'm, I'm really working hard, and I've got this guy who is like a Marine, he's, um, and I know what that, that's like, because one of my, my sons is a Marine now, and uh, he's a mad dog, and we're running, I'm running my hardest, you know, but I realize I'm older now, I don't go as fast, I'm just like pushing it, and uh, we're about a mile and a half, about two miles away, and he just takes off, right? He's like way, he leaves me in the dust. And now I'm all by myself. I'm running along, and I'm like, well, as long as I finish and don't like have a heart attack, I'm good. And so I'm running along, doing okay. And, and then the, um, there comes a place in the trail where it like goes off in four different directions. And the organizers of this race hadn't marked where you're supposed to go. And I go running down this trail, and I take the wrong turn. And it's like a mile and a half. I've already run seven and a half miles. And I'm all, I know that I'm getting closer. And I'm pumped about it. I'm cruising. And then I realized about a quarter mile into this trail, maybe half a mile into this trail, I realized, man, I haven't seen anybody for a while. And I haven't heard anybody for a while. And now I'm starting to get a little anxious. Like, uh, oh, what's going on, you know? So I run faster. That's a big solution for me, right? Just try harder. So I'm trying harder. And now, like, I'm, I'm not hearing anybody. I'm not. I'm, I'm like getting panicked. I'm running along, and I'm and I'm lost. Is what I am. Like I'm I'm lost, and yet I keep trying to go harder and faster. And I'm getting like way off in the woods, and the trail starts to narrow, and it's just now a little deer trail. And I'm real. Whoa. 
and I've totally blown it, and now I'm mad because I've, I was doing really well in this race, and now I'm like doing horrible. I've gone off the, tr- and, I'm, and now I've realized, what can I, so I turn around, and I start going back, and the trail starts like going, you know, again, there's multiple trails, and I'm lost in the woods now. I'm like, how did that happen? How could I be so stupid, right? And I'm like, now I just, I'm like totally bummed. And finally, I just stop. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm so defeated. I'm so bummed. And then I hear it. Like, because I stopped, I could hear like people cheering in the finish line. It's about a mile off. I know it's like, I could hear like cheering, but I have no idea how to get there. So I just start listening, and I'm running, and I stop, and I listen, and I run some more, and I stop, and I listen, and I finally found it. I finally found my way in, you know, and they're probably going to send out search parties for this old guy who's out in the woods or whatever, you know. But I finally finished it, the race, and I was so bummed that I hadn't earlier stopped and listened. That's what Sabbath is. Sabbath is stopping and listening and not trying to work harder and finding yourselves lost in the woods. It is a regular time where we step back and recognize the truth of what the beginning of Psalm 16 says. Lord, you give me life. Everything I have is from you. You preserve me. And you protect me. You are my refuge. You are my security. It's found in you. Did you know this? men and women, that your security is not found in any other relationship. It's not found in your own capacity. It's not found in your achievements. It's found in the Lord God Almighty who's created you, who loves you, and wants relationship with you, and wants you to pause and just lean into that on a regular basis, and that'll bring refreshment to you, that he is the master of you, the Lord And every good thing comes from him. Everything comes from him. And when you stop and listen to him and understand that, then you can finish the race that he's called you to. But you can't if you're just pushing ahead and doing doing it harder and harder. The good news about our trust issues is that it's not a surprise to God. (laughs) Like he knows that we've got issues with trust. And he speaks into them on a regular basis. But if we're not quiet, if we're just working harder and harder, we're not going to understand it. We're not going to hear him call our name and speak rest and refreshment into him. It's going to be like sitting on a rocking chair and going faster and faster in this rocking chair and wearing ourselves out on this rocking chair. We don't get anywhere, right? But we're just working harder. That's, that's not what we're called to do or to be. Verse 3. Now, this may seem like an odd change of subjects, but it's actually connected to what David is pouring his heart out to God and what he's saying here. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So he pauses in the middle of the psalm, first declares to God who he is, and then he says... Dad, you know what? I really value godly people in my life. Other people, he calls them saints, and we know in Scripture that all those who are called according to God's purpose, who have a relationship with him, they're called saints. God blesses us with his holiness. He's saying, man, they're the, they're the ones that actually 
I value the most. They bring me the most delight and refreshment in my life, other people. Did you know that that's what the church is supposed to be? You're supposed to come here and be refreshed by other people and your relationship with them. And that's exactly here what he's communicating, what the psalmist is communicating about the importance of other people. Think about your Sabbath rest in a new way. Your rest is actually connected with other people, other godly people in your life. And in Scripture, I think it's really interesting. It's fascinating, actually, to me, that when the Sabbath is taught out in throughout Scripture, and as the people of God practice it throughout the centuries, it was most often a corporate thing. People did it together. They Sabbathed together. Now, for those of you who are introverts, that might freak you out. Like, oh no, really, I need quiet space away from my spouse and my kids and other people. I, I recharge away from people. And actually, that's okay for you to say that and for you to um, be good with that because Jesus himself needed time away and he called his disciples into time away. I'm thinking about this passage in Mark 6. I'm starting in verse 30 where it says this, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. So Jesus had sent his disciples out and they're doing ministry, working really hard. They had a long, hard week of pouring themselves out and they got together and um, all of a sudden there's another crowd and another burden of all this stuff to do and Jesus takes a time out. He says, then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. It was a pattern of Jesus. He would take some time away to recharge. And that really actually is important for us to take that rest and refreshment away and understand that that's good. We have permission to do that. Those moments can be great benefit for us. But finding rest is not a solitary adventure. We have, as a community of God's people, something to say to each other, to call each other into refreshment and, re- and Sabbath. So let me ask about you. Um, when was the last time that you noticed somebody here or noticed a, a friend who was just way overstressed, overtaxed, and they hadn't been, like, taking time out. And you just said to them, hey, you know what? I, th- I think you probably need a Sabbath. But that's, that's something we ought to, as a fellowship, like, engage with one another in. Or maybe even better yet, you could say, hey, I noticed that you've got this big pile on your plate. Is there a way I could take some of that pile off so you could take some time away with the Lord? Because you need that. We need to actively say that into each other's lives. It was actually the pattern in Scripture of other people to do that. And I think it's significant for us to call each other out, to challenge each other to Sabbath. So when Scripture says bear each other's burdens, I think that's part of it. Part of the way that we can bear the burden for one another is to say, hey, can I take care of your kids so you can get some space, Mom? Could I, could I do something for you, mow your lawn or whatever, so you could get a little quiet time? It's an important part of our community and how we do life together. And here in Psalm 16, the psalmist just raises the value of people, godly people that are in his life that he delights in. Now, verse 4, the sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. So if you're running after other gods in your life, and you could come up with a long list of them, right? You should be able to. 
Can I help you? Achievement, success, finances, material goods, running after the expectation of your boss or your spouse or other people. There's a whole lot of things that we can chase after that become actually more important to us than our relationship with God himself. And when we lift anything up as a higher place than the Lord, it becomes a God. The psalmist here says, sorrow is the end of that road, right? The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. It just gets worse. Like the more you chase after achievement, the more you'll find disquiet and dissatisfaction because you'll never get satisfied. You'll never have a large enough bank account. You'll never have enough achievements in your life. Why are you chasing after those other gods? Their drink offering of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. I'm going to make a commitment that I will not follow that. I will not go down that road. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. Lord is all of my satisfaction that I need. That's what scripture is saying. And he the psalmist turns to the Lord and says, man, you're, you're what I need. You're all of what I need. That satisfaction comes in the Lord I'm talking about. It comes when I'm in a regular rhythm of turning to God and remembering all that he is to me. When I get out of that rhythm, then I forget, I lose sight of that. The psalmist We'll write another psalm. It's recorded for us a couple pages beyond this place in Psalm 16, where he says this in Psalm 23. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Right? He leads me beside quiet waters. And he refreshes or he restores my soul. It happens. That's actually a Sabbath statement in Psalm 23. Isn't that cool? I don't know how you thought about that psalm recently, but, but that's a psalm to help you understand how significant getting quiet before the Lord and being refreshed in Him on a regular basis is. Psalm 16 continues, The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. He's reflecting on his life and saying, he's thinking about the blessings that God has given to him over the course of his life. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. He's thinking about what God has given him and what God is going to give him in the future. One of the things that eats away at our refreshment is when we start stressing about our future. When we think about all the things that we've got to get done this next week. Or thinking about the burden of what are my kids going to turn out like. You know what I can just say as a parent um, you've got a role to play, a responsibility before God, but parenting is, man, it is by grace. And your kids are going to make choices. You're going to be praying your heart out for them. And not all the choices they make are right or healthy or good. You're going to have all kinds of disappointments and discouragements, but the good news is God has them. They're his kids. They're not your kids, right? You're just a temporary steward of that. And God has your kids in his hands. So, He's reflecting, the psalmist is in Psalm 16, about the blessings in his life and about his true inheritance. John 14 records for us this point in the disciples' lives where they're stressing. Like they, they're thinking about the future, they're panicking about what's next. 
They don't know. They're, they're really uptight about it. And Jesus speaks into them. Uh, if you've got your Bible, uh, turn it over to um, John 14. For some of you, it's a very familiar passage, but others of us, maybe these are brand new, fresh words when you think about it in this context, where Jesus says, let not your hearts stress out. You know, be overly wired. Don't let them be troubled. Believe that, here's that trust statement again, right? Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many, and those of you who have King James would say, mansions. There are many rooms, right? The Lord is preparing a place. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Now, he does say, you've got a blessed inheritance. It's going to be beyond your imagination. I don't build cheap stuff. It's going to be great, what I have for you in your inheritance. But notice that the inheritance he's speaking of, Jesus here is, more, less about the stuff and more about relationship. Where I go, we're going to be together. Like, this is the greatest thing that you need to understand, that, that this is about us in your future. So the psalmist in Psalm 16 speaks of it. He speaks about this great truth in his life, that, that God is calling him to a place of inheritance that he can, he can encourage, be encouraged by and lean into. Isn't it interesting that the object of my trust it determines the quality of my rest. What I place my trust in, that's where I'm going to find the quality of my rest. And if I place my trust in the Lord God, then my rest is going to be healthy. But when it's not that way, I'm going to be struggling and disquieted. And here, the psalmist says in verse 6, Sabbath rest, it helps keep my life in perspective when I remember that He's the one that's given me all these blessings. And when I remember where my inheritance is, it gives me perspective when I can step back consistently and remember that. Now, verse 7, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. See, resting in the Lord, it brings all kinds of blessings, the psalmist is saying. When I get caught up in my work and my busyness, I can't listen well to his counsel. I don't have the bandwidth to do that. But Sabbath is an opportunity to stop and listen, to get quiet before the Lord. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Typically, we take a moment, okay, and then run off, right? And we, and we keep, we don't listen well enough. We don't stop enough, and we're not patient. That second half of that says, be patient. Wait patiently for him. Verse 10 in Psalm 16, for you will not abandon my soul to shield. No, let your Holy One see corruption. Can I ask you, what's your greatest fear when I was a little tiny kid, my greatest fear was in the closet. 
or what was underneath the bed, right? I was kind of afraid of that, and I, I, you know, I had a hard time sleeping at times. And then I grew up a little bit, and my greatest fear was not performing in athletics. I loved sports, and I was always a, a very average athlete. And my greatest fear was striking out in front of my friends or being embarrassed by, you know, like not, like being up to everybody's expectations in athletics. And then I grew a little bit more, and my greatest fear was girls. I I still haven't figured it out totally. But my greatest fear, I remember in junior high and high school, it it was the opposite sex. I had no idea how to relate to them or what was going on in their brains. And, and it was scary to be around at times. I don't know if you still are like that, guys, but we still are working trying to understand them, right? Like 50% of us here are still clueless. And that was kind of my brain work. Like I, was, I was in fear. And then it became my greatest fear were my grades, like trying to get in and past all the you know, ACT and SAT and get into the college I wanted. Then I got into college and there was a the pressure of working and trying to earn my way through college and keep my grades up high enough and achieving. And then after I got out of college, it was actually, what am I going to do now? I'm getting a job. That was, that was a huge fear. And then I got married eventually and it was the great fear of how am I going to provide for my my wife and my kids, what's going to go on with that? And I, I've had these progressive fears in my life where every time the Lord has to speak into me to say, why don't you just give that up to me? Like, why are you being so insecure with that? And here, actually, the psalmist speaks out to one of our greatest fears. It's death itself. It's our own mortality This is a statement he's making that's a great statement of trust. Like, I am not going to be overwhelmed because, God, you have my soul. You have my eternal destiny in your hands. There's this amazing passage in 1 Corinthians 15 at the end that speaks about the Lord God's victory. When the perishable puts on imperishable, Paul writes, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass a saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. It separates me from God. It wrecks me. But that's not where he ends. The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is writing, Yeah, but I don't have to fear death. Because he's conquered. He rose from the dead. And I can have confidence to walk with him because of that. I can have security in what's going to happen eternally with me. I don't have to fear death. The Sabbath rest is an antidote to my fear and anxiety. Because God, God reminds me in those moments close to him that he has me. He's won the victory already. I was watching the Warrior game um, the other day with my dad. Uh, it was the one game they won, by the way. And, um, and it, they got behind in the first half, and uh, my dad is like, okay, that's it. He, he gave up on him. And I'm like, whoa, you can't give up on him. Like, and I'm like totally passionate about it. No, they always do this. You know, they always come back, and they always, they're going to do fine. They're going to be okay, Dad. Trust in that. They're going to be trusting the Warriors. You're going to be okay. Yeah, now they're down 3-1, and I'm not trusting them a whole lot. But but I was telling my dad this, and I was, then I was thinking, you know, that's so silly, right? The, I mean, why would we put our trust in people, even great people, great athletes? Like, you, you, why would you do that? 
We put our trust in something far greater, far better, and we can rest and have confidence in that. Not in our achievements at our work site or what our bank account's going to look like. That's not where achievement is found. That's not where we're going to find rest. Now look with me at how the psalm ends. Verse 11, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The Sabbath, you see, is meant to be a time where you enjoy the Lord, where you enjoy him. I hope that's a reflection of your your time away, your quiet time with the Lord. But it's not always that case where we're really trusting in the Lord. I really appreciate what John Piper has said regarding this call to enjoy the Lord. He says, the first and most fundamental thing to say is that the enjoyment of God is the enjoyment of a person. It's not just the enjoyment of a thing or an idea or a pattern of actions. Sometimes we compartmentalize. We think um, faith is this thing, uh, we, uh, a list of things that we give it our assent to, or it's an, uh, an activity that we're a part of here on a Sunday morning. And really, the heart of it really is about a person. It's about a relationship. In your presence, the psalmist says, there is fullness of joy. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 32, be glad in the Lord. Here's Psalm 16, verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. The psalmist in Psalm 42 says, as deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul pants for you. It's about this relationship that we have with him. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Psalm 143. We rejoice in God, our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.11. It's about relationship. This is why Jesus died. We were separated from him. And now we have opportunity to actually draw near to him because of what he's done on the cross. And if I trust in him then I can draw near to a holy God and find refreshment and rest in him. Therefore, the apostle Peter says, 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered once for all, for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, to a relationship that we might draw close to him. What makes eternal life desirable and enjoyable is not just that it lasts forever, but that we would be with him, satisfied and blessed in that relationship as we grow close to him. So how's your rest doing? How's that going? Is it enjoyable? Is it something you look forward to that you prioritize or something that you have let slip? Rest in the Lord. This is where blessing is found and where you can be refreshed. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the good encouragement of your word. Uh, And I pray uh, as a rhythm in our lives, you would help us find our delight, our enjoyment in you. Thank you, Father, for sending your son to draw us to you. And we place our trust in you, knowing, God, that that's where rest is found. In Christ's name, all God's people said, amen.
Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.